0: Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author, and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news, and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalizing our natural resources, minimizing waste, and maximizing human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description, and lots more about me and my work at philipaross.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. Hello Wastebusters! Welcome to July's edition of the Waste Not, Want Not podcast. Here in the Southern Hemisphere, we're enjoying lighter, brighter days – albeit peppered with persistent rain. The birds are chirpier and the buds are beginning to sprout. Nature has begun to reveal what she's been nurturing as it does for people who've been working on bringing their creativity to life. A number of my previous guests are celebrating the culmination of their own work. Leif Cox from the Orangutan Project, who I interviewed in September last year, ran a fundraiser and had his application for three hectares of rainforest agreed on. So not only do the orangutans get to benefit from this new habitat, but the local community will be engaged in breathing new life into this sanctuary. The charitable organisation Project Island Song, who are restoring the natural ecosystem of a group of islands here in the Bay of Islands, have replanted 500 natives and released 164 almost fully grown wetapunga, the heavyweight of the insect world. They have a new floating classroom and have just launched their new website. You can listen to the interview I had with the project manager Richard Robbins in May last year. And Glenn Hurrod of Happy Cow Milk, who I interviewed in November last year, is launching one of his milk dispensers at the Woodlands Park store in Titarangi in August on Saturday. Today's guest, Tarisha Torok, a Russian relationship and sacred sexuality therapist, and I have a refreshing open discussion about embodying the energy of our world and how it invigorates our physicality and our connection to people. But before I introduce her, I just have to share some heartening news about two young boys aged 13 and 11 from Aberdeen in Scotland, who were inspired by my great-great-great-grandfather's voyage to Antarctica, and they've built scale replicas of his ships Erebus and Terror, which is a major feat in and of itself, but they've taken it a step further. And have fitted them out with tracking and monitoring devices to collect scientific data about the Southern Ocean. I've sent them an email and very much hope to interview them for a future episode, so watch this space. While we're in Antarctica, 11 new starfish species with unusual characteristics have been identified. They're known as brooding species because they take care of their young for a long time. As I said, the wonders of the world we live in are coming to light. And I love how my guests enlighten us with insightful perspectives to broaden our outlook and enrich our lives. Just like my guest today, Tarisha Turok, who talks about the power of energy in our environment, how it affects us and we it, how we can consciously use that energy to add vitality to our lives as she has done herself, transforming her own traumas into a radiant way of living. Welcome to the show, Tarisha. It's an absolute joy to have you with me. And I think the subject today is something that will touch a lot of people's hearts because it's also one of those taboo subjects as well. You are a relationship and sacred sexuality therapist, which to me says an awful lot, but there's such a depth to it in so much as it's a relationship with ourselves, with other people and nature which is really what this is all about and as always with my guests it's somebody's own journey that takes them to do something that actually empowers other people and there's so much learning that people can experience from our stories and realise that we're not alone and that there's always somebody else who's experienced an element of it that can help us to empower us and for me as a mentor in helping people come to know themselves this is going to be a very juicy conversation because there's a huge element of that is about our sacred sexuality and people just don't talk about it and you've got such an extensive background in your training but it's so much more than that that brought you to the place today so what is it that inspires you on a daily basis? Because you said to me in an email that it's not just work or a job, it's a calling. Well, thank you for having me here, Philippa.
1: It's a nice chatting with you. And I used to be a accountant, so I'm wow. trained and I worked there for a bit. And um, I started to feel like, what's the point? Yeah, Is this what my life is for? And that's when I started my own personal self-journey and I went to India, traveled around the world and trying to find what actually makes me feel excited about life, what mm-hmm. brings me joy. Because being an accountant, I kind of felt like being in a straitjacket. <laughs> and was so I, can't imagine. I can't imagine any um, worse. <laughs> yeah, and um, I remember at one point I laughed at something at work and my boss tells me, Oh, I never heard you laughing before. And for me, it was like, I need to get out. I'm actually really losing the connection to
0: myself and who I am and my joy. That's how the journey started. Wow. So how do you go from an accountant to someone who empowers sacred sexuality?
1: So, yeah, I remember the decision came to me. I just need to leave. And I was married back then. And everything on the picture, everything sounded good, right? Yeah. I was young, beautiful, married, good job, but I felt so miserable. And so in three weeks, I resigned. I divorced and I just left and I went around the world. And that's where I actually started to connect to my own body and my own sexuality. And I went to... um different meditation retreats and I my spiritual teacher is Osho the Indian mystic and he was very big on sexuality so that's what changed my life me being with his teachings and going into tantric tradition where our joy and our sacred sexuality our sexual energy is actually our life force and that's what brings us joy. So that's how I went exploring deeper into actually what it does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a sexual being? And that's where I started to tap into, um, I actually was molested as a child. And so growing up, I started to feel that sexuality is something kind of dirty and something that I kind of need to give to my husband, but not something for me to enjoy Mm -hmm. and going through lots of workshops and breath work and tantric sexuality. And, really finding the joy in my own sexuality and bringing sacredness, bringing beauty and honouring to that place in me and actually knowing that that's what brings me joy. And it's not just about sex. Like when I talk about sexuality, it's actually not about sex. I mean, it is part of it, but it's more about the joy of being in the physical body.
0: You mentioned life force there and also tantric. And again, there's a lot of words that we hear. We then make an assumption about what they are. Can you dive deeper into what you actually mean about this sexuality and linking it with our life force and then what explain what tantric means? So it's
1: that energy inside of us, right? It's kind of it's a feeling sense of when I wake up and I'm actually happy to be alive, I'm liking my physical body and like like, you know when touching your face or just feeling the wind right in your hair on your skin and feeling the pleasure of being alive and feeling the sacredness of life so it's all about actually that our physicality of the world and of us is sacred that there's something very beautiful in our physical self it's not just about spirituality because sometimes people go into spirituality and they forget the physical body right they kind of Yes, Look down on the physical body. So in tantric tradition, everything is celebrated. So it's not just focused on sexuality, but it's focused on the wholeness of our experience and we find spirituality. The doorway to spirituality is actually the physical body.
0: Yeah, because if I... Look at the um, energy system, the chakra system, as you, you made mention that a lot of people can be very spiritual and a lot of people are very 3D grounded. And it's really bringing the two together and centering in the heart space that brings the two together. And as you say, it is that connection to ourselves that we have to feel in the body to bring our own vibration higher and to feel more to be more a part of life would that be fair it's really about bringing the physical aspect of ourself and the spiritual into the heart and getting a sense of who we are and really feeling that yeah
1: yes and for me it's actually more feeling the energy flow through the whole body. Right. So it's not just focused on the heart, but it's actually how do I feel my sexual organs, right? And I feel the energy coming into the heart and coming out right. through the crown chakra. But it's the whole being yep. rather than just purely focused on bringing everything into the heart. It's right. actually feeling cool. the whole body vibrating with energy, the whole body being alive. And there's the energy kind of integrating and soul flowing through us. I feel like when we put the sexual energy, there's more drive, there's more movement, we have more power. We kind of empower our heart with our sexuality, with our sex energy. So that together rather than trying to bring everything into the heart.
0: Yeah. And it's a lovely, holistic way of looking at it. And also for me, it opens up the fact that it's actually flowing because the energy goes around and it's becoming aware of when we feel that aliveness and also when it wanes as well and what we can actually do to reconnect to our bodies
1: Mm. and sexuality is such it's such a strong energy that that aliveness right that's where it starts like this in the heart there's love but in sexuality there is this aliveness there's this passion and then we can create connection with other people, right? When that energy flows inside of me, and then I can exchange it with the other person. And then we create that really flow between each other. And the best way, of course, to experience in lovemaking, but it doesn't have to be in lovemaking. You can feel your whole body and then give that energy and experience the other person through your whole body.
0: Yeah, so it's I know a different
1: experience with relationships.
0: With um tantric again, it appears to the lay person. Um, I'm just speaking for myself from a few years ago, not having an an insight into it, that it is more about the sexual act, but it's actually not because you do a lot of the breath work, holotropic. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yes, that breath work and just looking deep into someone's eyes. There doesn't actually have to be any genitalia or any kind of sexual act necessarily within tantric, but obviously that can build, but it's so much more than just the act, yeah?
1: Well, and there's white tantra where there's nothing about sexuality. It's actually white tantra is all about meditation. And there's some traditions where till 40 years old, practitioners were just practicing by themselves without actually engaging with the other person because the sexual energy is so strong. Wow. and I guess I talk about sacred sexuality more because tantra is uh it's a very serious tradition. It's actually so much more than what we know. It's yes. And a lot of it has to do just with meditation, with your own energy flow in the body. Wow. And wow. then you add when you're stable enough in yourself, when you know you're not gonna lose yourself in the other person, then you start to practice with another person.
0: And that's very telling. You don't lose yourself with the other person. You stay connected to yourself so you are empowered yourself and you're not, as you were saying earlier, that a lot of people feel that they have to do something to please their partner. I talk about authentic
1: intimacy. So there is like authentic relating where we can either go, I'm just going to express myself and this is who I am, right? Yes. Or we can go, who do I need to be for other person to please them? And I'm saying the authentic relating is in the middle, is actually I'm expressing myself and I see how it impacts the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm finding a place of resonance. So for me, the authentic relating is all about finding the place of resonance. How can I express myself to create more love, more intimacy while being aware how it affects the other person? And that's that flow of energy. I express myself, I see how it affects them and then I can modify my expression. So it's all in service of more openness and more love, but finding that spot of resonance.
0: It's a very deep sense of intimacy, isn't it? And it's very subtle. The only way that I can actually relate to it is I have worked with horses and they have Mm. an immediate sense of a Mm. shift in energy that people are not Mm. aware of when they make the changes and you have to kind of stop them in their tracks and say, did you notice when that energy changed? And we don't because we're so full-on intent on doing or something. And so I guess it's the same kind of thing because it's so it's subtle. Beautiful.
1: It's, yeah, I love the word subtle. So it's more about actually being sensitive, right? I'm sensitive to myself. I'm sensitive to the other person. And I do retreats for women. And my dream was to actually do retreat for women with horses, Because there you can really see, right, when you stand in your power and I've, I've done some work, it's like the horse responds to you right away. So you can get that response. And when you collapse into yourself, the horse comes towards you. It's like they start to take space, right? So you really need to stay in your power and not overpower, but actually find that place of resonance. And horses are beautiful for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sensitivity, subtle. And, yeah, being really connected to ourselves that we don't give up on ourselves when we find that place of resonance and we don't overpower the other person,
0: yeah. And I find them, they're a great metaphor because a horse is a very large animal and I can remember years, mm. 15 years ago, doing some work with a woman who was terrified of horses and the horse was really sensitive to her energy and would move forward one step at a time. and. Without her knowing it, she moved forward to the horse one step at a time, and it was a very long, drawn-out process. But after about six months later, she messaged me to say she'd actually bought her own horse. She'd fallen. She wow. once was, um, loved horses, wow. and it was so empowering, absolutely incredible, yes. And again, I'm lo- using the horse as a metaphor because a lot of women feel disempowered because of the male physique over empowering them so it's a good analogy and you work with couples as well what dynamics do you see in couples and how do you see it changing um
1: well there are lots of different dynamics it's a big question (laughs) sorry um yeah (laughs) we can talk about all sorts of (laughs) dynamics that happen but uh once I see a couple, I can predict how things are. It's a predictable uh-huh. dynamic. It depends which one you engage in. Yes. But as humans, we're, we might feel we're very unique and our situation could be very unique, but dynamics are quite um, repeatable. Yes. So that's why it's easy to work with them. But there's the piece that I feel is that men are quite ready to actually be responsive. The negative one that I see that difficult to work with is when women start blaming the man. Or like even if the man is blaming the woman, but the blame piece is what really trips people over. Mm -hmm. But actually, as with the horse, right, if you blame the horse for kind of, whoa, the horse is overpowering me, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, when I'm connected to myself, to my sense of power, and I'm sensitive to the other person, they respond to me. So it's a dynamic of being reactive, right, to the other person and blaming them for my reaction to where we shift them is actually if I'm collapsing, right, or if I'm being too emotional, quite often women say, my partner just can't take my emotions. You know, I can't be vulnerable with him. And I really separate between being emotional and being vulnerable. So when women, right, when we put all, and men do that as well, right? You just said women. But when we put emotion onto someone, right, and we kind of throw it away, it's really difficult for the other person to be there for us. Yep. But when we're vulnerable, we're kind of inviting the person into our world and then they can come closer to us and then they can understand us wow and be with our vulnerability so that's a big dynamic that i invite my couples to look at am i being emotional or am i being vulnerable and it can a big shift can happen because then the partners respond beautifully when we're vulnerable
0: yeah you use the word respond there as opposed to being reactive again it's so subtle but it's taking on the other person's emotions that impact our reaction stroke response to something and that's when the boundaries and the disconnection comes up
1: yeah yeah but it's kind of yeah coming back to myself this is what I'm feeling and responding to the other person rather than throwing it all onto them and being in (laughs) reaction and both men and women do that
0: yeah yeah you talk a lot about empowering the joy and the intimacy it's such a beautiful word How would you describe what that intimacy feels like? Because I think there's a lot of people who have never experienced it for themselves.
1: Got the image that comes for me, you know, like an avatar. Yes. When she looks at him, right, they say, I see you. Yes. And that's the intimacy, right, really looking deeply into someone and then letting them see me. But it's more about letting them, right? I'm letting them to see me they're letting me to see them.
0: Mm. And then that
1: meeting happens. They should deeply see into each other. And quite often, I guess, in physical intimacy, we can drop the protection and we can let people see into us. Yeah. And that's where the physicality of sexuality helps if we're intentional about it. Yeah, but it's deeply seeing and allowing, like, if I can let you see into my deepest parts, And especially into my parts that I don't feel comfortable with. I don't feel very lovable. Right. if I can let you see into those parts, kind of let you penetrate me, but not not just on the physical level, but actually, right, on that more emotional level, penetrate. You can see my soul. You can really see what's there.
0: Is it a journey of learning to love yourself? Because you talked about the parts we don't like about ourselves, but being accepted by another for all those parts as well. It's a a huge Mm. healing journey. Mm. And it's kind of both, you
1: know, because quite often people say, well, I'm supposed to love myself or you just need to love yourself and you don't care what, you know, what other people are doing. But we're relational animals. So it's both. It's my love for myself. But then when I can't find that love for myself, if there's another human being who actually deeply loves and accepts me, then I start to learn how to love myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's both. And I guess working one-on-one with people, there find where therapy is so helpful when I can, as a therapist, completely accept and love their most painful parts. They start to learn how to love those parts as
0: well. And this is a form of judging oneself based on what society thinks is good, bad, or indifference. Because in my own work, it's, as you said earlier about, you know, the generalization, but it comes down to patterns, but it also comes down to our own story. And if Somebody hasn't walked in our shoes. The whole thing's about an awareness. If we step back and walk in those person's shoes, we come to realize that we could quite possibly have done the same thing ourselves or even though we, we are making a judgment about them, the act per se, but we just don't know because of the way that we're the energy flows and our reaction to what occurred at the time. Quite often...
1: I find we are judgmental of other people when we are judgmental about ourselves. So it kind of points again, right? If I'm judging other people, if I don't like something in other people, it's like there's a part in me that I, I don't want to accept or I want it. Sometimes it's like, oh, I really want that part and that's why I'm judging. And that's quite often, I guess, expressed as you know in women when there's a beautiful woman and other women being petty with her and like kind of judging her, she's like too full of herself. And then it's like, well, there's a part in me. It's like, well, I actually want to be the centre of attention and I'm a bit kind of envious and jealous and that's why I'm judging her. I'm trying to kind of put her down a bit. But actually, this is an expressed part in me. And I know that sometimes, um, like I know when I start judging someone, that the part of me that I'm damsel in distress, right? The victim part. Yes. And I kind of well, that's my journey now. I'm working with that, that when I see women collapsing and going into that victim and being there constantly, it really triggers me. And so now I'm actually looking with my therapist, my supervisors, at that part in myself, mm. um, at my collapse. When I go into this damsel in distress and, you know, please kind of save me and help me, and how come you don't see me? And I realised that I kind of enjoyed that part. I enjoyed being there, but I don't want anyone else um know that part in me. Yes. Yeah, and that's what I judge in other women. So it's me loving that part and me and accepting it. Actually, yeah, I've got this damsel in distress, and I'm kind of liking her. And for
0: now, I don't want to let go of her yet. But and it's also it a it, form of yeah. attention as well. Having worked in schools, you see a variety of behaviour of children who are really raw because they don't have the language to express themselves so they um do it emotionally there was a lady the other day that she was talking about a three-year-old child was being naughty in the class and was sent outside and there was a tutor outside and this child was banging its head on the deck and she just went up and said do you need a cuddle and this child yeah i just want someone to listen to me And she was reprimanded for intervening with this child. And it just really gets to how someone could ignore that. Children express that they want to be heard and we do it as well with our own, you know, that vulnerability victim side of things. It's a way of saying, I just want someone to notice me for who I am. Yeah.
1: And yeah, and being kind of turning towards that part. And I'm right here for you, and I'm right here with you. And I I teach women, actually, if you now kind of hold your face, right, and you feel into that, I'm right here with you, yeah, and it's okay. I know you want some attention. I'm right here with you. And I think it's very healing turning towards those parts, yeah,
0: just you doing that. I mean, the listeners can't see this, but there's a lot of people on their own or feeling lonely, and that mm. connection to ourselves and just stroking the hand, shutting your eyes and stroking your hand or putting your hands around your face is a beautiful way of serving your needs and not having to find it in somebody else.
1: Yes. And I would also say that would be my invitation for listeners. If you feel lonely, yeah, it's good to be with yourself, putting your hands on your heart, on your face, being there with yourself. But actually, what if it's up to me to create intimacy with other people? What do I need to do to actually create intimacy with other people? And what if I take it as my right act of kindness, my act of that? That's, that's what I'm here for, that I actually, I'm feeling lonely because someone else is feeling lonely and it's up to me to create deep intimacy with people. So Ooh. taking more of an active role, more of an empowered role rather than, well, I'm just here lonely. I'll just be here with myself and feel kind of sorry for myself. Beautiful. But what if I step into you know, yeah the bigger self like yeah it's up to me and I can do that
0: seeing the bigger picture in the message I love that that's beautiful and just walking down the street and smiling at somebody if you're on your own or something like that it makes a huge difference in receiving that response for what it is we just never know do we mm, yeah
1: and I love it like i I love flirting with people, flirting, kind of sharing my joy with them, right? It's not in a sexual way, but just sharing the joy of being alive. And it's amazing, you know, I just walk on the streets and there are some builders on the road and you just smile at them and they're like, they light up. There's so much lightness and connection in that moment. But it's, yeah, it's so joyful and that's what we can we can share, our joy with other people.
0: I love the way that you use the word flirt there because there's so many uh, inhibitions within us, you know, to flirt with someone is really like creating an invitation to have sex. But we need to be broader in our perspective about that flirtation and using our sexual energy to make that connection. So what other flirtatious ways of expressing ourselves would you recommend?
1: Just filling into my the joy of being alive it's again it's connecting to the heart and our whole body and then just sharing the joy with other people. And you can flirt, you know, with trees, with animals, with kids, with anyone, yeah? And of course it's important to feel safe in the environment. So when you go to the, you know, shop or you buy coffee and actually paying attention to this other person and sharing your joy with them, being interested in them, that actually quite fulfilling. And I like to go to the same shops all the time because I feel quite loyal to these people and always like, you know, there's a sense of connection with them, even though it's short, but it's, I feel like we can all bring into our lives on a daily basis through sharing the joy and being interested in other people.
0: Yeah, you mentioned earlier about being full of yourself. I can remember being berated for being full of myself as being obnoxious and a show off. Again, language is really bastardizes the feeling because in that moment of feeling full and all that energy is flowing around the body, is beautiful. And in fact, it's hard to control. You lose control of trying to keep it down as to what's expected of you, I think. And again, it goes back to what you are saying about vulnerability. is being vulnerable enough to let go and let it flow without worrying about what other people think of you
1: well, there are kind of two pieces to that right one is actually being responsive to the environment because sometimes it might overwhelm other people right so yeah. it's not just this is who i am and i'm gonna put all of me out there but yeah. actually seeing how much modulating ourselves not shutting down but modulating right yeah. but then there's another piece where like say for me right being a chartered accountant The environment wasn't big enough. And now the work I do, I actually need to bring my fullness and bigness, especially when I do a retreat for women, right? When I've got like 12 women really kind of feeling whatever they're feeling, being in full emotional expression, I need to bring my bigness to that. So it's finding the appropriate environment where actually I can be in my bigness and it's welcomed, it's a gift. And if you put me in this cubicle, right, in the office, it's like it's just not big enough for me, it's not my place.
0: Yeah, and I can't complain crazy. about
1: the environment. I just need to get myself out of the environment and find a bigger space.
0: Yeah, beautiful explanation. Because I'm for me, a lot of it, it is about our external environment affects our internal environment. And it is bringing that awareness that is so, so important. And it was beautifully explained about how something can contain you and make you feel smaller than you are and how something else you just naturally expand. Beautiful. Yeah, and in the relationship, the same, right?
1: Because for some people, we get into a relationship and the other person feels threatened by our bigness. Well, and I'd say part of it is, well, how can I modulate my response? But then if it's consistent, well, maybe the relationship is not working because the person just can't take my bigness and my greatness. Yeah. They can't celebrate me. And then, well, it's not the right one then.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I, I can put my hand up to that one most definitely. And as you say, it's a process of getting to know people where you modulate your behavior. And I know myself having moved to a new area over a year and I go to dance classes, you bring more of yourself as time goes on and you get to know people and their response mm-hmm. to you. Well, dancing is quite an intimate thing. It, you have to modulate and connect to that person because there are some partners who are less experienced. This is a hard one for me because it's that following but leading at the same time. And so you're creating that balance where they feel empowered and leading but not being led. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. I did one workshop actually for couples where we just went with dancing, looking at the relationship from like experiencing it actually, right? But there's being responsive because there's a piece if both are leading, then it's just tug of war, then it's a power game, right? Yeah. And then if both are following, nothing is happening as well. It's like there's a collapsing energy. So there needs to be a mutual like, okay, I'm leading your following in this moment, and then you can swap the energies. Yeah. But it's being responsive, this is who I am and not collapsing and allowing the other person to do whatever they want, but actually we're working together. We're finding a place where we don't step on each other's feet. And mm-hmm. that's what, when I work with couples, I kind of do the dance analogy quite a bit, um, that we need to find a dance that's actually harmonious, that's beautiful, that's empowering.
0: There's nothing more invigorating than finding that space where you are dancing mm-hmm. together. I just love the intimacy of it. And that is where I find dance is great because it is not like a cattle market where you go to find somebody. It's the sheer joy of dancing that two people bring together. And the experience is so much more than the dancing because you're connecting to the music and each other. And you do it with your whole body,
1: right? It's you engage, it's not talking. It's You engage your whole physical body. Yeah. And are sharing the joy and the intimacy, yeah.
0: So what other kinds of things do you do on your retreats to empower people?
1: We do all sorts of things. We awaken our sensuality. How do we actually connect to our sensuality and start to feel more alive in the body? And I do it through a lot of practices. Um, breath work is part of it. And then how do we actually connect to the other person? And it's very powerful because with other women, we create that safety where we can express ourselves. And we can find that place of resonance with another woman. And also we do a lot of actually celebrating a woman for who she is. So she can start seeing her beauty, her gifts and bring more of them into her life. I'm I'm trained in trauma therapy as well. So we work with, you know, past negative experiences. And how do I actually stop living out of fear and closing my heart, closing my body? But how can I step into a place of actually opening myself? Yes, that happened in the past. But it doesn't define my future. It doesn't mean that now I'm gonna be hyper vigilant and not let anyone be with me because then I miss on love. I miss on connection. Yeah. And so we work a lot with that, with inner child states, and then also with sexuality. There's a big piece where quite often women feel like a, a little girl in the bedroom, right? Kind of that lack of confidence in the bedroom. Yeah. But it's not appropriate for a child to be sexually interacting with another person. So what we need to do, what we work with is actually I have my that younger part in me and I can hug her and I can put her to bed and then as an adult woman I come into sexual experience. And that's a big piece where when sexual relations don't work because when a woman goes into her trauma or she goes into a younger self, right? Oh, yes. It's yes. not appropriate. Of yes. course, and then sexuality, and then we lose desire, we lose our attraction. But of course, because it's not appropriate for a child to be sexually engaged with someone. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of that, differentiating how, who I am as a woman, as a grown up woman mm-hmm. in my power, knowing that I have the pieces of me that are younger, but I need to take care of them before I sexually engage. Yeah.
0: Well, it sounds so obvious, but we just don't realize it. Hey, as you say, You take that trauma to the experience and you are that child and it's no wonder that you shut down because it's not appropriate. Wow. It's
1: not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a very smart mechanism Mm. because when women lose desire for sex, we need to see what happened, why you lose desire rather than making it wrong. But actually there's a logic behind it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Separating.
1: Wow. Yeah, so I work a lot on kind of awakening female sexual desire because I feel desire for life and for love and finding different ways of actually why we shut down and what can we do to bring it back. Because quite often women tell me when they're disconnected from that sexual desire, they start to feel like less than a woman. They lose the wholeness. Mm -hmm. So women want to want. Yeah. And so we work with that, actually, how do I find that drive, that desire that comes from within rather than I have to do it for him, like sex is a chore, right? Yeah, I have to keep peace in the family, and that's why I do that. Yeah, and actually come into my authentic desire, my authentic sexual voice, how do I express it?
0: You talk about awakening the goddess, and I can remember, say, 25 years ago, and if you said the word goddess to me and associated it with me, I would balk Because I could not see myself as a goddess. Can you explain more what you mean by the goddess energy and what you're doing awakening the goddess within women?
1: Yeah. Now that's why I use more radiant woman, because women can connect more to that. Right. Because goddess is a bit too far up. Yeah, yeah. So I take it close. Radiant woman, we can connect to the radiance. And it's a very kind of physical sense. So I use the goddess in a very specific environments where people are more open to that language. It's kind of right. a language. Yes. yes,
0: fantastic. Yeah, and that just highlights well, a lot of what we've been saying. You know, languages can really shut us down as well. Yeah. So what is it about that radiant stoic goddess feminine energy that is the ultimate?
1: Well, there are different aspects to that rather than being ultimate, but again, that feeling the pleasure of being alive, being the pleasure of being in my physical body. And having the capacity to feel a lot of emotions and being able to hold it rather than being overwhelmed, right? Because quite often we just get overwhelmed and then we feel disempowered. It's like emotions take over. But actually, I feel my own two feet. And I know I have an emotional capacity to go into deep sadness, to go into rage, right? To go into big joy, like intense joy and bliss. So when I know I have the capacity, right and i feel all of that in my body and i can choose where i'm going and what my partner kind of what are they capable of being with or what the environment is capable of handling and i'm in response to the environment but i bring more aliveness and will bring more aliveness through emotion and so how do i connect to that aliveness inside of myself and feel safe with that that i'm i can hold it So I need to feel my really strong center. But that's how we can bring more pleasure, more joy, more aliveness. And I guess that's why I see the goddesses being so connected to my emotional world and being so responsive to the environment. So I'm serving the environment, but I'm bringing more aliveness into the environment.
0: Wow. Again, it's those emotional things, isn't it? Because as soon as we feel something that overwhelms us, there is a response within us to shut down and it's part of the journey is staying in that space and being open to what that experience can bring us and recognizing as you said earlier that it may bring up memories from childhood but it's creating that safe environment. I'm a woman now and, and putting the child in the safe space and I think a huge part of it for me I find in my work is it is that acknowledgement Of that emotion that is really needed in order to help dissolve the negativity and the shutting down and the disconnect
1: yes and what's important in that is actually to feel safe to feel like either and that's why therapists help so that's why when I do group work it really helps women that I can hold the safe space because it's not useful to go into those emotions and be overwhelmed again that's kind of traumatizing Mm -hmm. But actually to feel the safety, to feel my adult self, right? That God, the self, the radiant woman self, and then turning towards the emotions. So you don't get overwhelmed. It's kind of titrating them or kind of, I just worked with my group and a woman went into terror, right? Mm-hmm. And so just to feel terror is way too much. So what we did, we empowered her. So she started to feel big and powerful. And then she could see the terror, she could contain it. It wasn't as terrifying. She's like, oh... I am bigger than this and I can hold this now.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's a big piece that we're missing that it needs to be safe. We need to have presence bigger than the emotion. And then it's useful to feel it. Then it's healing. And quite often, I guess that's in couples as well, when people start to feel emotion, but there's no adult present. It's like two children overwhelmed with their emotion. And that's not useful. So that's where, I guess, my work comes in, where I can hold people. I can hold big emotion. I love big emotion. That's why my bigness is useful, right? I don't feel like I'm too much. actually, yeah, bring it on. <laughs>
0: mm. And again, uh, I know your work is centered on women, but I think it's really important to include the male sign, you know, awakening the God, because we are all made of male and female energy. Men can feel less than themselves, I think because there's an expectation on them within a, a partnership to provide and to be this bigger energy, but if they feel small themselves, what can we as women do to help them feel honored in their own space?
1: Um so the awakening the goddess within, I can do it for men and women. It's yes. awakening that feeling state. And awakening the God within that could be for men and women.
0: Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. very
1: important. It's the energy rather than the identification. For women, what I see is that we can Feed power to men and we can cut down them. I see it, and that's a painful piece for me to see. I see it in my friend's lives that we actually take the power away from men. And then we complain that they're not there for us. Mm. I feel like, yes, the way injustice is done to women, right? But actually, when women step into the place, I can feed power to men. Then men, they kind of stand up, they become bigger, and then they can protect us. And then they can be what we want them to be for us. But if we cut their power all the time, then they kind of collapse or so they start to be in reaction to us and we don't benefit from it. So I'd invite women to actually feed power to their men in whatever way it takes. Find from him what he needs. Yeah, and find from him how you cut him down because it happens all the time. It's painful to watch. And then women become so frustrated, dissatisfied, but they don't see that they're playing part in the dynamic, actually cutting him down, taking his power away. And, it's of true. course, we can say, well, he needs to be powerful by himself, right? He needs to do just mm-hmm. – but we're relational beings. It's a two-way. We can't thing. avoid it. So what
0: kind of behaviours do you see that women are expressing to cut men down? Criticising them, especially in public, interrupting them, right, when
1: they're sharing their thoughts and ideas with someone, especially when it's in public. And when they present something that's very useful and we're like, nah, he's just a man, this is just a stupid thing to do, kind of minimizing, not being curious about them, but actually having an idea that I already know what you're saying rather than there's a good reason for him to do what he's doing, there's a good reason for him to say what he's saying and I'm curious about it. It's kind of disregarding, minimizing, disrespecting, um, yeah, all of that. Mm. And it happens so much. It's like if you start opening your eyes to it, it's painful.
0: It's such that fine line balance with the rise of the feminine and feminism. It is disregarding the men in life that we don't have a need for them. And
1: yeah, and again, I don't need you, right? I can do it all myself. Yeah, That's kind of yes. cutting his thumb. Yeah. Wow. So I guess that's what I'd leave women with. Actually, how can you empower men in your life?
0: beautiful yeah and yeah. That
1: doesn't mean that you need to lose your power yeah you find your power inside yourself and how can you share that power so we can step out of that power over dynamic but actually how can we share the power how can we support each other that for me to feel powerful i don't need to cut someone down right and then how i feel powerful mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. how can i share that because then that's how i'm going to benefit because then i feel stronger people around me and then that feels more exciting more satisfying
0: yeah, it's, it's that huge cycle, isn't it? It's because you feel less than, you speak louder and cut other people down, whereas appreciating that you can actually feel bigger by being inclusive.
1: Yeah, giving power to others. That's how we become more powerful as well. Yeah, That's why I love groups of women. We feed power to each other and women start to feel more comfortable, more confident, and then they don't have to cut other people down.
0: Yeah. There's a young man I'm hoping to interview soon. He's in his early 20s, making a difference for men and bringing male groups together to empower them not to feel less than and to express themselves fully. It's a beautiful subject.
1: And I did work with men for a year before I started to work with women. Actually, yeah, really appreciate the sensitive hearts. Really opened me up to how sensitive men are when you really. Respect them when you open your heart to them. It's amazing. They have so much beauty. They have to protect and kind of play the
0: The macho uh, man. Sensitive. Well, society has projected all these ideals that they should live up to, and that's yeah. really yeah. hard. I yeah mean, just
1: not not how it is when you come close to them and yeah. with respect with laugh It's just it's
0: so beautiful. I love men. <laughs> <laughs> they are beautiful creatures and we can learn so much from everybody. And for me, anyway, I feel there is a need for male energy because it balances everything and they bring a different dynamic. So in all your experience, has there been a book or a person that has really influenced you?
1: Yeah, that is a difficult question. Huh? There's lots and lots and lots. and I guess Osho, right? He influenced me a lot. I love Anthony Robbins. I can't tell you how much I love Anthony Robbins. Tony Robbins, he's <laughs> a, there's a lot that he shared that actually really resonates with me. I also love this Claire Zemit and she's the feminine power, though. that's why I did my woman-centered coaching. She's really into empowering women. Then I've got lots of teachers around sex, sexuality and the importance of the body. Like yes. STEM growth, is amazing. It talks about um, how tropic breath works and uh, alternative states of consciousness, which I find is like, wow, that's so important. Yeah, so many people open the doors for me. So I guess I see myself as I'm integrating all sorts of pieces from all and I'm bringing it together, which I find is so important. If I build a bridge between all different places.
0: That's awesome. And it's having that curiosity as well. A lot of your work is experiential and dealing with emotions and things, so it may be a difficult question. And is there a particular quote that really captures the reason you do what you do? I guess
1: for me, my quote is actually stop waiting for love, cause love happen in your life.
0: Lovely, beautiful.
1: But the quote from my teacher, Claire I love her quote when she says we can't become ourselves by ourselves. We really need the support.
0: So what do you do when you find yourself in the funk or feeling low? How do you bring joy and life to yourself?
1: I go naked swimming in the ocean. I do it through the winter. Wow. When you get into the water, in the winter, oh, when we have a freezer at home. We got a freezer where we chest freezer where we got water, ice on top. And when you jump into it, you get out and you're just happy.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Wim Hof style.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Fantastic. So if I was your fairy godmother and could grant you one wish in the world, what would it be and why? I want the war to end between yeah. Russia and Ukraine. Mm. That would be my Yeah. Wow. Bless you. Thank you. And thank you for bringing peace <sighs> and understanding to a subject that has appeared to be so taboo but actually needs expressing in itself and it is beautiful that someone with such a heart centered and holistic look at everything is bringing meaning to it so bless you for your time today it's been much appreciated mm. thank you thank you Phillipa. thank you so much for having me you're welcome take care mm. have fun with some of the tips that terisha shared and be sure to reach out to her if you need some support I'm also bringing two programs to light next month. The first is a four week course focusing on tuning into our spiritual intelligence. I'm calling this Revitalize Your Sovereignty. The second is my signature process for reclaiming your sovereignty. It embraces the spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical parts that help us feel whole. Details will be up on my website in a week, but feel free to reach out by email if you want me to send you details. I'm looking forward to celebrating another circle round the sun at the end of the month and bringing my tiny home ideas to the fore and getting cracking on actually getting it built. I'll bring you news on that in next month's episode. So make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on those future episodes. All feedback and reviews are much appreciated, as are your suggestions for subjects or guests you'd like me to consider. Just email me on info at So until next month, have fun, dig deep and open your mind to a world of possibilities. Live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.